Russell and welcome to Creativity and Composition. I'm really excited about all the new listeners who've been emailing me comments and suggestions and I'm happy to welcome all of you newcomers as well as as you people who've been following me all along. Feel free to spread the word around. I think my server can handle it. Today we're going to be talking about having something to say. I'm kind of excited about today's topic because well I've got something to say about it. Recently, I was having a conversation with a composer colleague of mine. He had just been to hear a performance of a piano concerto from the 19th century. Who the composer was isn't important here. We got into a conversation, the two of us, about what's going on with this talented guy. Why is he not remembered in the same breath as some of his contemporaries? And we agreed that the problem was is that this composer, as talented as he was, just didn't have anything to say. Ah, what a composer has to say. This is a concept I first started becoming aware of several years ago when I participated in the BMI Musical Theater Workshop in New York City. The moderator of that workshop talked about the challenge of writing a love song, for instance. Hey, every musical has to have a love song, right? Your challenge as a composer, or a lyricist in this case, is to somehow make it fresh. Make it so that it doesn't seem like all the same old love songs we've heard so many times before in so many other musicals. In a nutshell, I think the point was, have something to say. Now, we've all been out with friends and family who have nothing to say, and we wonder, why do we have to see that person? And we've also got friends and family who are always making us laugh or think, and we just love meeting them because they've got something to say. Now, as a composer, you have to ask yourself, what do you have to say? I always find it useful to think of paintings. Here's a little art experiment for you. It may not work depending on where you live. It might be a little less obvious if you go to a major art museum like the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York or the Museo del Prado in Spain. These museums house the most famous artists who definitely had a lot of things to say. But if you go to a second-tier museum that has a smaller collection, or even better, an auction house maybe, this little experiment will work better. I've been to Sotheby's and Christie's in New York many times, and sure, they have the big artists there like Picasso and Monet. But you'll also find, and I apologize for this term, second-tier and third-tier artists. These are the guys who just didn't have anything quite original to say. I can't tell you how many paintings I've seen that look a whole lot like a Monet or maybe a Picasso. Do these artists not have anything of their own to express? I mean, to look at these paintings, you think, hey, that's beautiful and sure, I wouldn't mind hanging it up in my living room. But, you know, it's not quite fresh. It's not quite a new voice. It's sort of like a Xerox of the original, you know? And that's the experience of listening to this certain 19th century piano concerto I mentioned just a moment ago. Sure, it's nice and pleasant enough to listen to, but doesn't the composer have something of his own to say? You can find this all over culture, too. How many movies, books, and TV shows don't really have anything to say? Now, I don't want you to get hung up on this too much. The truth is, every single one of us does have something to say. The challenge is to find your unique way of saying things and to get it into your music. 
To be honest, I frequently start writing music with little idea of what I'm trying to say in that particular piece. That's not always the case. Each piece is a little bit different. But I usually compose by just doodling around, taking a little germ of an idea here and there. My notes are full of all kinds of undeveloped ideas that will never see the light of day. And trust me, some of them really shouldn't see the light of day, if you know what I mean. But eventually, I'll hit upon a musical idea I want to develop further. And so I start to develop it and get as much fleshed out as I can. I'll decide what the instrumentation is going to be. That usually opens up the composition floodgates a little bit more. And eventually along the way, I'll take a step back and ask myself, what am I trying to say here? Usually it's much more organic than that, and the music will tell me what I'm trying to say. Sometimes when I'm writing a piece, I kind of get stuck, and I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be going with this. And that's the perfect time to ask myself, what am I trying to say with this piece? Maybe I didn't yet know what the title of the piece was going to be. Maybe I didn't know if I wanted the audience to be happy or sad when the piece was finished. But deciding for sure what I want to say with this piece provides me with so much the title of the piece, the arc of the piece, the momentum, and so on. So, how are you fresh? What's your thumbprint? It's okay if you don't know. In fact, I don't think you should be able to define it in just so many terms. It's more of a big picture kind of thing. It can be kind of a psychological self-analysis, which can scare some people off, but it pays dividends. Here's a few thoughts that I hope might get you thinking. Leo Tolstoy said, All happy families resemble one another. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Well, that's kind of the start of it. Have you ever gone out, fallen in love, and had your heart broken? Sure, that's happened to all of us. But how we feel about it and what we do about it, that's all unique. There's the universal experience of having your heart broken, but you should have your own unique slant to what you want to say about it. And I would take a little bit of exception with Tolstoy's quote for our purposes here today. Being happy can be a very unique thing, too. Mozart wrote happy music, and so did Beethoven. But they each had their own voice, obviously. And look at stand-up comedians. Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock and Robin Williams. They all have their way of saying things that make us laugh. Laughter is the universal in this instance. It's what is said and how it is said that is the fresh angle. If you don't feel too much in touch with yourself... Maybe you might want to try to take one of those online personality tests. There's a lot of silly ones out there and a lot of good ones out there, too. See what you find out about yourself. Are you the kind of person who avoids other people? Or are you gregarious? Or maybe you are the shy type on the outside, but have a lot going on underneath. Hey, that sounds like a good piece of music right there. Are you a really cool cucumber, or do you always overreact to things? Are you an angry type, or are you a sweetheart? Do your feelings get hurt easily? Or do things just kind of bounce off of you? There's just an infinite number of variations to your personality, and that's a good thing. That's what should come through in your music. Okay, two big cautions here. First, beware of being a one-dimensional composer. I hear a lot of composers whose music tends to be very probing and earnest, and I never hear these same composers ever having any levity or happiness in their music. And then I get to know these people and discover that they have a sense of humor and are quite nice to be around. And yet, to hear their music, there's nothing but gloom and doom. When you are composing, don't be afraid to draw upon the entirety of your unique self. It would be a little bit like Picasso only ever painting with shades of blue. Which, you know, come to think of it, he did do that for a few years, by the way. But the idea is to have your whole emotional palette available. 
Second caveat, if you are a younger composer or new to composing, don't get too hung up on all of this. If you are borrowing the style of Mozart or Brahms, go right ahead. Learning who you are and what your voice is, what your thumbprint is, can be a lifelong experience. To use my earlier example, if you've never fallen in love and had your heart broken, how can you write heartbreaking music? Well, you'd probably start by borrowing some of the styles from the great masters, and this will help you to start to develop your own style. It's better to keep on composing than to not compose. Obviously, you've got something you want to say, and you've chosen music to say it. Get used to expressing yourself with the musical paintbrush. As we all, younger and older, grow through life, happy things will happen to you, and you'll probably have a broken heart once or twice, and your own thumbprint will emerge. You won't be able to help but to have it come bursting through. So what do you have to say? Well, if you want to use words, feel free to drop me an email. I love the feedback. I heard Jim Cramer's financial podcast recently, and he said, Your emails are like oxygen to me. So if you haven't dropped me a line yet to let me know about you, visit my website at www.rdrussell.com. That's R-D-R-U-S-S-E-L-L.com. Click on that contact button and let me know what you have to say. This has been Richard Russell with Creativity and Composition. Until next time, keep creating.